We'll continue, and if you have your Bibles with you this morning, you can turn to the New Testament book of Galatians. So just remember where you are in your conversation. You can pick it up over a cup of coffee afterwards, and we're going to try to continue. So we've been going through as a church this summer a series on a great book in the New Testament called Galatians, and we're going to... uh, Finish that up today. We're at the end of the chapter six, the final chapter. And once again, we want to welcome everyone here this morning. My name's Joe Crummy, and I'm going to be speaking this morning. And it's always interesting if you ever get to, um, well, now I guess it's probably more emails and Facebook than it is actual writing letters. But uh, when you're writing letters, uh, when you get to the end of the letter, usually when you look at sort of the closing, sometimes some things get shared at the end of the letter that maybe reinforce what's been said already in the letter, or maybe you might add something that could have been left out, or maybe you share a bit more of your heart and sort of pulling things together. And so we're going to read together the last few verses of Paul's letter. So Paul, remember, had gone to these churches in this area of Galatia earlier. He had preached the gospel, this good news of Jesus Christ and how we can be free from sin and what happened on the cross and through his resurrection and can be followers of Christ. That's a gift and how these people put their faith in Christ. And as Paul left and as he went to other areas, other teachers had come in and had, in a sense, disturbed the teaching of Paul and had begun to add other things and add on to Jesus. And Paul's writing this letter to this group of churches uh, to help bring them back on track. And so we're going to pick up the very end of this letter. So let's read Galatians 6, and we'll begin at verse 11 to the end of 18. And uh, this is kind of funny how we start out. Paul says, See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. So, way to go, Paul. It says, It is for those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. We're going to explain some of this in a minute. For even those those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, or uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. All right. Again, sort of a bit of review of sort of the last couple of months is really kind of key in on the things that Paul really wanted to emphasize in this letter to the Galatians. And I was trying to come up with uh, a title for this one. So I asked, just give me some liberty in using this word religion. But what I want to sort of convey in going through this point is trying to find a term that we can use that focuses in on the whole sort of belief system that focuses on what we do to get right with God. Okay, so I'm just using this word religion. It might have other uh, meanings to it and other contexts, but just for this morning, I'm trying to find a term that focuses on, and we're going to look at the opposite to it, is what we do to get right with God. And it's really about sort of these outward signs, and the focus is on human effort. So again, if you go back to Paul's day, and uh, coming out of a whole Jewish tradition, circumcision was a big deal. It was one of the marks of being separate about being the people of God 
and it was uh, in the Old Testament. It was one of the things that God asked the people of God to do and to set them apart from other nations. And now with Jesus coming, Paul's beginning to unfold how things, again, Old Covenant, Old Testament, the old way to get right with God, have now changed because of Jesus. And this whole thing about this outward appearance is what gets you right with God, where the focus is on what we do to get right with God. And maybe in our day and age, we don't have uh, circumcision as a big issue on whether or not that's going to be your outward sign that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. However, if you sort of take the principle that that's what the issue was about, then we've replaced it over 2,000 years with many other things that we can as Christians sometimes do, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally, that we say, these are the things you must do to get right with God. And I'm sure if we went out, even among our crew right here this morning, then I'm sure many of you, if I were to ask you, maybe what are some things you hear, maybe you think about, or you've heard growing up, or you think in our day and in our age, that if I said, hey, I'm calling you to get right with God, what do you need to do to get right with God. And I've just put down a short list of some of the things that we can think about in our day and in our culture. Okay, And one of the things I think top on the list is, in order to get right with God and to show that you're right with God, you must go to church. So that's one answer on the board. And again, depends on how you define church, but that's the whole thing of this whole concept is you go to church church. Another one is, you must read the Bible. You must take time to pray. Okay, and the list goes on. Let alone some other things that we get into. You must help the poor. You must give money to the church. And then we get into different rituals as well. You must be baptized. You must do this. You must take communion. You must do all of these things. My point being is that sometimes we, as a religious even society, can place these things on people, sometimes knowingly, That's what actually people believe. In order to get right with God, you must do these things. And we're keeping score on it. Or sometimes unintentionally. We might not even really believe that, but sometimes that's what we come across as speaking sort of as a leader of a church. We can sometimes come across that way, even if we're well-intentioned. But the focus is this. It's what you do to get right with God. And Paul's saying, okay, you know what? You can justify circumcision, some of those things from Old Testament and all that, but things have changed because the focus is now shifting from what you do to get right with God to, as we're going to take a look in a minute, what God has done to get you right with himself. And so there's a big change coming. And I think you could even argue that a lot of these things that we've just taken a look at are good things. So it's good that you go to church, depending upon how we phrase that. It's good to read the Bible. It's good to pray. Okay? It's good to take communion. It's good to be baptized if you're a follower of Jesus. All those things are good. The point being is, if those things take the place, okay, and we put those as the primary things of you getting right with God and dealing with sin and being justified and all those things, if those things take the place of Jesus, then uh, we're like Paul. You're preaching a different gospel. And sometimes in Galatians, I think you can think, well, circumcision, all this stuff, ah, who wants to talk about that? The problem is, in our day 
in our age, if Paul was writing to us today, he'd be saying, what are you doing, you religious people? You're making people do this and that and the other thing, and you're missing out. You're saying, in order to get right with God, you must do all these things. And Paul's saying, even if they're good things, they're taking the place of Jesus, then we've got a problem. And Paul's writing to these, really, he's coming against false teachers. He's kind of like a lawyer. He's coming against them saying, these are the things, okay? And in his last few sentences, he's reiterating what he's just spent six chapters on going across. You think religious duty, religious things are going to get you right with God? We're wrong. We're misled. We've got false teaching. We're going to come back in a minute, take a look at what's right. And Paul hammers against these false teachers as well. He's saying, the only reason they even want you to try to do these good works, the only reason they want you to get circumcised and all these things is, actually it's all selfish motives for them. So they're not even doing it out of a good heart. He's saying, they just want to look good. They want to be able to say to other people, look at all the people that we've got following us who obeyed us, so that we, it's a numbers game so that we can look good. Paul also says this, they're just doing it to avoid persecution. And if we read in the New Testament, if you read about the life of Jesus, and you read in the book of Acts and in the Gospels, folks, if you're going to follow Jesus, persecution comes with it. That's one of the things that's tied together. So if you look at the life of Jesus, he was persecuted. He died on the cross. And Paul's saying, if you want to avoid persecution, yeah, you can be religious. You can do good. And everyone's going to pat you on the back probably and say, hey, you're doing well, and we appreciate you're making society better, and you're doing well, and probably no one's going to persecute you. Actually, they might even brag about you. But if you're going to follow Jesus, persecution in some form is going to come. And so Paul even challenges, even if you're doing good works, what's your motive for doing it? And he challenged these false teachers, saying they have selfish motives. They're doing it just for appearance. And again, that's a challenge to us. Okay? Even if sometimes we want to do good, what's our motivation for that? And in religion, a lot of the time, we want to look good to others as we compare with each other. So we want people to see our good deeds. We want people to know that we put lots of money in the offering plate. We want people to know all these things because that's where we're getting we think right with God and our identity and our self-esteem. And Paul comes at it and he says, once again, check your motives. Those are the wrong motives. And these false teachers were also like this. They're like, you've got to do all these things. And then Paul says, okay, in verse 13, he says, for even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. Isn't that kind of hilarious? That these teachers are saying, hey, you must do all these things because we've done them, but actually they weren't even following God. And that's a challenge to us not to be religious in our day and in our age because a lot of times if we get religious, we want everybody else to follow all the rules, but we don't actually follow them ourselves. And that really can affect the church big time, can it? And that's where churches and Christianity sometimes and religion gets a bad name because we want everyone else to do what we say, but actually we're not obeying the things we want them to obey. Okay, so it's a sobering point that Paul's trying to hammer home here. And as we've seen throughout, okay, the gospel, the good news, as we're going to get to about the cross and about new creation, 
as we look all throughout the summer, folks, the good news is this. The gospel and what Jesus has done should be a burden-lifting thing, not more burdens placed on it. Right? Okay? So there's the big thing. Now let me give you an example, okay? Angela and our family, just a couple of weeks ago, we had a wonderful opportunity with her brother and family. Uh, they treated us, which was wonderful, to join them in Mount Tremblant outside of Montreal, big ski uh, resort. They had a chalet there, so we joined them for the week. And without us knowing it, while we were there for a week, that next weekend was the Ironman competition. I got introduced to a whole new religion, folks. <laughs> okay, I'm serious. So all week, everything around was, I mean, so we were there the week of leading up to. So at first, we just got there with all the Ironman things, but like there's no people. By the weekend, it came. I'm telling you, there were like thousands of people there. I have never been around so many fit people before <laughs> in my life. Okay, it was scary. I mean, because Ironman competition, men and women, I mean, I don't know all the numbers, but I mean, they swim forever, and then they bike forever, and then they run like a whole marathon after they've swum forever and biked forever, and you have 17 hours to do it. Now, here's the thing. For a little while, it really influenced me, because for a little while, while I'm there, I'm going like, I want to get in shape. Like, I need to get in shape. <laughs> like, I'm in horrible shape. I thought I was in good shape before this, but now I realize I'm not in good shape. And for a little while, I was like, man, I get home, we're changing the diet, we're going to do all these things. But after being there for a long time, you know what? After a while, you're just like, forget it. <laughs> Give me another hot dog and another Coke. <laughs> I'm never going to match up to these guys. So I might as well just enjoy my food. You know what? Sometimes when we get religious, that's what we can kind of be like. Okay? Here are all the rules. And sometimes there's good motivation. Some that, hey, I've been around people. They seem to have their act together and they seem to be. And you know what? Some, it makes me want to do better. But then when I see all the things that I need to do in order to get right with God, or I think to get right with God, my motivation quickly decreases. And just like those Iron Man, Actually, when I compare myself to, I lose all motivation, and I, I don't even want to even try. Because we feel the burden. Okay? A lot of like, yeah, we can be influenced by other people. We hear stories on the Internet and everything about these people who do good, and they sacrifice and all that. And there's a part of it you go, wow, that really stirs me to become a better person. But in day in, day out life, you realize, you know what? I ain't that person. I'm not really a hero. And actually, you know what? Most of the time, I don't even do very good. And when we heap religion on people and we say, you've got to do this, you've got to do better, you've got to try harder, you've got to do these things, what we do, actually, it's more burdens on people. Jesus came and he was our burden bearer and he lifts the burden. So my challenge to you here this morning is, if you feel burdened by I've got to do better and I've got to do more good and all these things, yet you feel the weight of it and actually you feel smothered and actually you feel like I, might, I won't even bother trying because I can't even start, then that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? And that's where we transition. We go from religion is what we do to get right with God, where the focus is on our efforts, where Paul picks out the cross, and he says, this is what God has done for us. And Gary already said it during the worship this morning, tying things together. 
This is what Jesus has done. Where the focus uh, he has, far, far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So we transition from religion being, what do you do to get right with God? All these even good things, but they might take the place of Jesus. Paul comes back and says, I'm not going to brag about anything. Okay? And in his day, it was a big thing to brag about, that whole Greek-Roman culture about your successes and achievements and everything, which sounds very familiar to our culture. Paul says, I'm not going to boast about anything. As we read in other letters, Paul had lots to boast about, but he didn't go there. He says, the only thing I'm going to boast and brag about is in the cross, which is absolutely ludicrous, especially in his day. The only thing I'm going to boast in is the lynching of Jesus Christ. The only thing I'm going to boast in is the murder of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing I'm going to boast in. You're like, what are you talking about, Paul? The cross that people didn't even want to talk about. It was a horrible thing. But Paul humbles himself. And he's saying, I'm going to boast in the one thing in history that is forever changes everything. I'm going to boast in the shame of Jesus going through the cross and how that changed history because it proved that God loved us and it proved that God has made a way. When we weren't able to do enough good works, we weren't able to keep all the law, we weren't enough able enough to do enough Bible studies, enough going to church, enough praying, and how long do we pray, and how many doors do we knock on, and how many things do we give to the poor, and how many things, all these good things that come after, but we try to do those things to get right with God and Paul did those things as a Jew, a very zealous Jew. He's saying, I could have boasted in all those things, my heritage, all those things. No, I boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. And I boast in the thing that has changed history, where a man died on a tree, on a cross. Because that shows what God has done for us. So the transition from being just religious to being a Christian is that we don't put our performance of what we do for God as the focus. Actually, we put our trust and our position in what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. That is the crux of the issue. That is it. And that's what Paul's been trying to hammer home all the way through. Let me just read you a quote from Timothy George, one of the common, uh, wrote this commentary, one of the ones I've been reading. And he says this about the cross. He says, what happened to Jesus outside the gates of Jerusalem is, of course, the decisive and controlling event of redemptive history. But something also happened to the cosmos, the created realm on the day Christ died. The creation itself, cracked and groaning under the weight of sin, is yet to be redeemed on the basis of the cross of Christ. When Jesus died, the earthquake, the sun refused to shine, and cemeteries were disturbed. If you ever read of that, that's a weird one, okay? In these events, God was giving notice to Satan and his troop that their lease on planet Earth was about to run out. The devil is still the god of this earth, but his kingdom is doomed. Jesus is Christ the all-powerful. So folks, the cross is a big deal because Jesus tackles Sin, what separates us from God, and we talked about it last week, okay? There's many ways the Bible talks about sin, how we don't follow God's standard, we miss the mark, 
we worship other things, we put other things before God, all those things, okay? We're born into sin, as Gary was just talking about, in Adam. We need to get out of Adam. How do we do it? He deals with sin on the cross. The penalty is paid, okay? Justice, mercy at the cross. The justice, the wrath of God is satisfied. And if you've ever been wronged, you understand you want justice, and you're justified in wanting justice. Yet the mercy of God, that he loves his children, so the wrath was poured out on Jesus instead of us. Okay, and as Paul says, 2 Corinthians, about Jesus, who knew no sin, he was, he became sin. And we're given his right standing with God. The great exchange, our substitute. All the words we try to use to explain this good news that Jesus took our burden. We couldn't get right with God on our own. He took it. So sin is dealt with. He also deals with death. Okay, I was at a funeral yesterday. What a great joy to know, okay, when we are a follower of Jesus Christ, we don't have to fear death. Okay? We don't have to wonder what happens when we die. We know that we're going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to get a new body someday when he returns. There's great hope in that. And he deals with Satan. We have a real enemy. The Bible doesn't say we're just dealing with evil. We're dealing with a person and his army. We're dealing with a specific person who wants to destroy your life. And you need a wake-up call sometimes to realize we have a real enemy. So when you're tempted, sometimes, okay, it's not just you in your flesh. Sometimes you're tempted as Jesus was tempted by Satan and his demons. And Jesus conquered Satan. And as I said many times before, the battle's still on, okay? But the war, we know, is won. And it's culminating to a day. Okay? That's why Paul says, I'm going to boast in the cross. I'm going to boast in Jesus. I'm going to boast in these things. That sin is defeated. Satan's defeated. Death is conquered. All through Jesus Christ and what he did. And what we celebrate Easter and in Christian church, we celebrate every day. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, the effects of that aren't just something that happened 2,000 years ago. There's something that when we become followers of Christ, and we're going to get into it in the new creation, Paul brings in a whole other thing. He says this, not only was Jesus crucified, and when we put ourselves in Jesus, we're crucified. Our old is gone. This happens. We're crucified to the world. What do we mean by that? Let me just try to quickly, okay? What we think is important that we brag about, that we boast about, that we make, make ourselves feel good about ourselves and we compare ourselves to others. When you're a follower of Jesus, those things are cru- those things and the impact and the influence and the power and the grip they have over your lives, they lose their power. So we're not into all of a sudden anymore achievements is that's our identity. Okay? So what we do at the Olympics, in our schooling, okay, whatever at our workplace, whatever thing you might be that says, that's going to define who I am, ah, that's dead now. Okay? That's a worldly way of viewing things. And I get my identity now in what God says about me. Okay? My abilities. Well, actually, they come from God anyway, so you can boast in that God is a great creator. But that's no longer going to be my identity, what I can or maybe what I can't do. So sometimes we get our identity from our lack of ability. Power, success, possessions, significance, you go through the line. 
Okay? Everything the world screams at us, that should be our identity and what makes us important okay? in our standing in society. We're dead to those things. Okay? And again, not that all those things are even evil. It's good to do your best. It's okay to get a promotion, all the things. But they're secondary things, aren't they? Because we're secure in Christ. And Paul says this, we're a crucified Christian. What does that mean? It means this. That we no longer put ourselves as the number one controller of our life. That when we crucify with Christ, our old dies, and now we have a new master, we have a new leader. His name is Jesus. And we follow him. And this is what our world would tell us right here. I will decide exactly how I live my life. That sums it up right there. There's a quote that sort of sums up how we want to live our lives. It's that. Okay? And as Gary encounters almost every day at middle school being a principal, his phrase that kids say to him, you are not the boss of me. This is just another way of saying it. Okay? I will decide exactly how I live my life. Thank you very much. And when we become a Christian, you know what? We die to that. And there's a stake in the ground. When we become a Christian, we're born again, as we're just going to look at quickly as a new creation. That's a moment in history when we submit ourselves, and that's when we say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus, you are now Lord of my life. You're the leader. I'm going to follow you. And there's a daily uh, reminder to ourselves, sometimes it's minute by minute, <laughs> that we're going to follow Jesus. And we, the old has been crucified. We battle our flesh every day. And we deny our flesh and we crucify it. And we say, no, flesh, I'm not going to follow you. I'm following Jesus. And that's only made possible, as we talked about earlier, through the cross. Because Jesus died and he took away the power of sin. He's dealt with the penalty of sin, but he deals with the power of sin. And folks, the good news, as we were singing this morning, stronger you are, stronger sin is broken. Not only is paid and we're right with God by putting our faith in Jesus, the power of sin is broken. And we have, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the ability now to live a life that pleases God. And how is that possible? The only way that's possible is if we become a new creation. And Paul introduces this whole thing of not just following rules and regulations. It's what happened, what God did for us at the cross, sending his son Jesus, our substitute. But it goes beyond even to sort of historical fact. Now there's a personal part to it that if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, then you become a new creation. And Paul says this, over in 2 Corinthians 5.17, he says, Therefore, as anyone's in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And Paul begins to come back to circumcision and all that. It's an outward thing. It's something to your body, but it doesn't necessarily change the inward. Paul's saying with new creation, the inward has changed, and that affects the outward. And the only way that's possible is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is involved in that whole process. 
And the Bible uses different terms. Sometimes it's confusing because the Bible uses terms that you think kind of are contradictory or they flip-flop sometimes. Because you hear a term like this, you were dead in your sins. You're thinking, okay, I was dead. And then the Bible also says, put to death then your flesh. And you're like, I thought I was dead. How can I put something to death? That? And it's a little bit confusing. But the Bible's talking about two different things. We're born into sin. Okay? We're separated from God. There's a position that we're in. Okay? It's like you're stuck in a different country. And you need to get to a different country. How do you get there? You need something to get you there. And that's that whole part, you're dead. Okay? Spiritually, you're dead to God. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, okay, God's involved. And this is what Paul's getting at. God's involved in every aspect of you coming to God. So you can say, I found Jesus. Well, that, we understand part of that. But actually, if God wasn't at work, you would never have found Jesus. He found you. Because when we're dead, it takes the Holy Spirit to even wake us up. Okay? To even be, the Bible says, regenerated in our heart. To even come to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. So it's a wake up. That's God at work. Sometimes we call it the alarm clock goes off. And you're like, man, you might not even have thought about God ever. And sometimes you're like, why am I even here on a Sunday morning? Why am I even concerned about asking some of these bigger life questions? Why am I even concerned? I ever thought there was a God before. Now I'm thinking there might be a God. That's the Holy Spirit working in you. And then he regenerates your heart so that you have the wake up and the revelation and the perspective to say, I need to repent. I'm no longer the boss of me. I'm putting Jesus first. I'm turning from the things I used to do. Now I'm going to follow Jesus. And now I have faith. It's a gift from God that I actually believe the things of God. And I actually put my trust in Jesus. Not just a head belief, but it's a trust. And now all of a sudden, it's a relationship. And the Holy Spirit. And we get filled with the Holy Spirit. And we exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. And we keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Religion excludes the Holy Spirit. Religion, when you're trying to do it on your own, both to get right with God, even when you're trying to live right, even after maybe you've become a Christian, religion excludes the Holy Spirit. You'll never find the Holy Spirit involved if people are just saying, do your best and work harder and perform better and all these things. They've missed it. The gospel, that good news, that burden, Jesus lifted the burden so we get right with God, but then he gives us his Holy Spirit that empowers us. And what do we have now? We've got a new nature. We've got new desires. We even get new habits. His Holy Spirit, okay, and we saw evidence of it here this morning. Okay. Some of you, you wouldn't have been caught dead being here on a Sunday morning, let alone with your hands in the air, let alone with a tongue and an interpretation. You would have been so far gone, you would never even come within 100 miles of here. What's changed? God's done a work in your heart. He's made you right with him. And it's not just going through, ticking the boxes. It's a living relationship. Worship is a living relationship. So here this morning, you're kind of like, what in the world's going on? It's a living relationship with a living God. It's interactive. It's communicating. It's listening to God. It's being able to speak. Angela's able to pour out her heart before God. Because it's a relationship. Because now, the Spirit of God is in her. And there's supernatural connection that wasn't there before. Okay? The key is the Holy Spirit. Okay? My time's gone, so we won't get into these ones. Then Paul just adds, okay, if you follow
the way of Jesus, if you follow this rule, if you follow this relationship, then there's some things that are promised to you. Okay? You're going to have peace and the mercy of God despite persecution. Okay? And Paul kind of makes it kind of a, I don't think he's being sarcastic. He's just trying to emphasize a point. At the very end, he say, hey, hey, from now on, just leave me alone, would you? I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. So they started out saying, hey, be circumcised. And Paul's saying, what do you know? Man, I got all these wounds and scars because I've been talking about the cross of Jesus Christ. That's my marking. I'm marked all right. I'm marked because I'm united with Christ. And I bear on my body the marks. But Paul says, if you follow Jesus, even in persecution, you're going to have peace and you're going to find the mercy of God upon your life. That calling for us today. You might not get some physical scars. You're going to get some social scars. You're going to be ostracized sometimes. You're going to get some mental scars because people are going to make fun of you sometimes. People are going to chastise you. People are going to say abusive things towards you. That comes with following Jesus. But the promise is this. If you follow me, peace and mercy of God, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The summary is this. We get right with God through Jesus Christ that we get to become a new creation. It's not just following rules and regulations and what we do, okay? It's what has God done for us, Jesus Christ. It's his Holy Spirit making us aware and revealing who Jesus Christ really is. What he did 2,000 years ago, but he's alive today. And folks, it's a new creation we can't go over that. Okay, we can't legislate good works on you. We can't say, hey, you want to be part of this church? These are all the things you must do if you haven't been born again and become a new creation and God's spirit changes your nature and your desires and your heart. So much better when God stirs our hearts. Okay, I was just thinking this morning, worship, man, I wish we could have our prayer meeting right after this meeting because some of those words that came through about just being able to pour out our hearts and like man i can't wait for tag tonight to pray we get to pour out our hearts to god now folks man if i would rather be at a prayer meeting than watch nfl football on sunday night god's done a work in my heart that's that's the real deal why because he's given me a new nature new desires be with him and now more about the things of God so how do we get right with God it's not on our performance it's not on what we do even if they're good things we come through Jesus Christ who's made a way for us to get right with our father in heaven how do we live life we come to Jesus every day say Jesus I need your spirit today fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit that I might be about good works but I know my motivation is even if I fail sometimes, that's not where I get my identity. My identity is in what you say. And you empower me to follow Jesus. And it's exciting. Hey, it's great praying for people to be healed. Okay, it's exciting to be able to share with others what God's done in our life. It's great to be able to worship together. Even if we don't understand all the things, we're learning together. Okay, it's great to be in life groups together. Okay, sharing lives with different people, but Jesus being the common thing that holds us together. We get to enjoy okay, life in God's spirit 
And Andrew, I loved what he prayed in his prayer about rest. And he's just like, God, teach us just to enjoy you. What a radical thought that we get to enjoy God. That will change a religious mindset very quickly. Because religion isn't usually about enjoying God. It's about pleasing God. How do we please God? By enjoying God. It's a radical change. So I encourage us here this morning. Okay, Many of us say are Christians. This, morning, this message is for us. But sometimes we can slip back to being religious. Man, if I can just feel a little bit guilt, feel a little bit shame. If I just do better, if I just do this, then I'll get right with God and God will be pleased with me and we'll get back on track. We come to Jesus, as we talked about last week, and we get restored. We confess our sins. We humble ourselves. Say, fill me with your spirit. God, empower me because you do love me. And I just want to enjoy you. I want to spend time with you. Maybe you don't consider yourself a Christian this morning. Maybe you think being religious is the way you're like me with the Iron Man. Man, I could never match up to some of these guys. So I won't even bother. Okay? That's not how you get right with God. Like every one of us, you come to Jesus. Okay? doesn't matter your background. doesn't matter you come from a religious background, non-religious. It's the same for every single one of us. And that's the good news. He bore the burden for us. Okay? We can come to him. We can receive life today. And we can go on receiving life every single day. You can become a new creation. We'd love to be able to explain more what that means and what that looks like okay, as we continue on in church life. Okay, let me pray, and then we'll bring things to a close. Father in heaven, we just thank you today again for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who's here. We believe stirring hearts and bringing revelation and understanding. And thank you that when we open your word, we're not, uh, Lord, we're not left in the same, that you speak to us, that word penetrates the word comes and reveals Jesus. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here right now. And my prayer here this morning for every person here to not focus on what they can do, what I can do, but what you've done for us and what you're doing in us as a new creation. God, I pray, Lord, that Gary had that word that, Lord, I just pray you change our perspective from trying to be religious to actually boasting in the cross that Jesus has made me right with my Father. And he's put his spirit within me so that we can live a life that pleases God and we get to enjoy God both now and forever. Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do. Bring revelation, bring conviction, bring clarity, bring new life, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Gary, we'll hand things back to you.